Are you immersed in a sea of business advice and education, but not sure what to embark on first? Instead of adding to the ocean of information, we're here to help you navigate it like a pro. The Wayfinding Growth Podcast will help you take a deep dive into new actionable strategies, tools, and tactics to help you grow. So start charting a course for business growth as you explore a better way to grow further, faster, with your hosts, Remington Begg and George B. Thomas. And we're back for another episode of Wayfinding Growth, the podcast. Well, it helps you grow through all the ways that you need to. I am not here alone. I am here with two amazing gentlemen. Remington, how are you doing today, sir? Doing good, doing good. Excited to get rolling. Yeah, rolling, rolling, rolling. That's what we're going to do. So we should probably talk about the guest, introduce the guest and start to talk about things macro and possibly micro. That might be a hint for you. Anyway, Dean Delisle, why don't you explain who you are real quick to the Wayfinding guests? You got it, man. And uh, we were just talking about time travel, and that's a leak out a different topic. But how far back in time would you like me to go with these people? You know, I think just start with who you are and where you do that, and then we'll ask some other questions that allow you to time travel back, maybe close to birth, but probably not that close. Oh, yeah, good, because I've, I've actually gone back there. It's not pretty. So uh, so uh, we, uh, we are passionate about helping people develop their next level of business influence, and we focus and concentrate on um, – really B2B micro-influencers. And you said micro-macro at the beginning, so it'll be interesting to dive into that. But we love, um, you know, you said giving uh, back to birth. We love birthing, uh, giving birth to influencers because we get, you should see the letters that pour in, and, and we do this with, with business folks, not just in the workplace, but also within universities and schools and cool things like that. So we get the honor to see people step up to that next level and just rock and roll. And Dean, when you say we, maybe because I didn't in the intro, explain what we is a little bit deeper. Yeah, we, we, we. So uh, so we have a, a main company uh, that's been around for 16 years now called Forward Progress. That's our parent digital marketing company, uh, which is basically a traditional digital marketing company, although – we focus on influencer marketing, which a lot of people know what that is. It's helping leverage influencers for your business. But the thing I'm most excited about is we have an academy and an entire factory that you helped me name, the Influence Factory, uh, that's run by Social Jack. Social Jack is an academy, socialjack.com. We literally, if, if you want to learn how to be an influencer, we hold courses and we do coaching and training. It's a whole platform to support you. If you like to have things done for you because you're busy, um, which we always challenge people about that. That's a different show. So, uh, so uh, you know, if you're too busy to do all the things we teach, we have what we call 90-day sprints where basically – we take you from zero to hero or soup to nuts or whatever you want to call it, and you take you from wherever you're at to that next level within 90 days, and it's a pretty cool program. So that's that's Social Jack, and that's what we love doing. So specifically then, how are you making a living? Like how do you make your money? Whoa, who said I was making money? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, uh, we make our money um, – 
through coaching and training programs. Social Jack, you can go and subscribe and have access. It's, you know, it's like a theme park. You can go in and get, you know, line jumper passes and you can go in and, and attend many courses and classes and get tons of coaching. We have one-on-one programs, group coaching. So a lot of different budgets and companies as big as GE and Nationwide and other Fortune 500s come to us and their their employees belong to us or they or they uh, they white label our, our platform or we um, we have those 90 day sprint programs where basically you're like hey I want this done for me soup to nuts everything you you know your eight step program t- just do it for me and then so those are modules that we have on the website or programs and people can purchase those programs and so we pretty much make our money one of two ways education or or you know doing it for people and what's nice about that is we include the education as we're doing it for people so we want them to learn along the way we're passionate about that because both my parents were teachers and um you know they're looking down upon us right now and they're going oh wow making them great all those papers uh, when he was real young, <laughs> staying up all night with us, really paid off. <laughs> yeah, I, I love that. I love that. Dean, this is super interesting, and, and I love the fact that it's wrapped around education because, well, education is near and dear to my heart as well. I love doing that. But I am curious because while I would love to believe that you're the type of guy that growth for you has just been up and to the right all the time, typically we have found that in life, professionally and personal, there's ups and there's downs. And maybe you can talk to us about some of those milestones or waypoints that you have actually kind of gone through to grow where you're at over this time frame. So is it okay for me to jump in the time machine for a second? Because there's a, there's a pivotal point, uh, I would say, in my life. So I mentioned that my both my parents were teachers. So education has always been a part of whatever I've done. Um, but I grew up working in hospitality. Did you guys ever work in hospitality? Yep. So I bust tables. Did you ever do that? Yep. That's hard. <laughs> Did you make a dollar an hour and plus whatever you could earn on tips? Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was a dishwasher once and then went back out to the dining room. So that's a whole different story. But the idea was I learned it was a fine dining restaurant, a business restaurant. So I learned early on about the power of networks. And I would watch these business guys doing lunches and we had a lot of politicians coming in there and and just just seeing how people operated was inspirational to me and to the point where you know, I started networking, and if I wanted to do a side job, a side gig, yes, I did uh, rent myself out as the Easter Bunny a few times and other crazy jobs, you know, where you got paid cash to do things. And I'm like, I need extra cash. I want to go on a date. I'm getting older. Things matter. Um, I, I used learned how to use the power of that network to do that. <clears throat> I even got invited to the yacht club on a regular basis, and all of a sudden, I'm on the boat that used to be on the on the wall, and only certain people got to go on. I became a regular at the yacht club at the age of sixteen. So, so I, I figured that out early. And I was motivated by that. And then I networked my way into one of our big customers was the CEO of Merrill Lynch. So I was helping him cater parties and meeting all these guys from Chicago. We were in Northwest Indiana at the time, which those of you that don't know is right over the border. And uh, the coolest thing was I was networking with all these guys and talking with them and, and staying up late and, and hanging out and 
drinking with them too. So I'm uh, having these late night cocktails and I'm like, Mr. Bradley, the CEO, it's just him and I, we're the last two. I'm like, what would it take for me to work downtown? This is when computers were first coming out. This is when punch cards were turning into actually, you know, screens that you could type into. I'm like, what would it take for me to play with you guys at the board of trade downtown on all those computers? He's like, Dean, I, I, I like you. You're a hard worker. I trust you. You can start in two weeks. So you talk about a pivotal switch from going, making what? What was your max at bus and tables? Maybe five bucks an hour if you had a real good wage, Chris, yeah, that you yeah, were working I for? Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, I'm making $35 an hour. And they started paying for my schooling. I was only 20 at the time. So now I'm like, well, this is crazy. <laughs> I'm in Chicago from, you know, Northwest Indiana, living at my parents' house. Woo, I'm just, you know, I'm getting apartments. I got a new car and it's a whole new world. And I just learned the power of that. And from that moment forward, um, I worked there for about three years. Uh, the, the the whole tech thing started to, to get crazy and Merrill Lynch was getting crazy and there was a lot of corporate stuff that I wasn't used to. So, you know, I still have stab wounds in my back. So the, so the idea is I didn't like it. I didn't feel like it was collaborative and relationship. It was always like nobody was like authentic and genuine. And when you were, it sort of, sort of bit you. So I was like, I, that was my only experience, my only reference point. So then I just like said, well, I'm going to start my own company. So I'm like 22 and a half, whatever, 23. I opened an office on Wacker Drive and I started doing programming and tech business. And and I always, George, I always included education with everything I implemented, just like you do with CRM. I always provided seminars, workshops, webinars. In fact, my first dot com I raised close to $5 million, and I built the first B2B online university, LearnU.com, and it was serving uh, computer associates, IBM, Baxter Healthcare, uh, and we climbed to a $100 million company, and, and it was all because of the network. The same thing I did to get to get hired at Merrill Lynch, I raised capital and had a $100 million valuation of a $100 million company, you know, with, within a short period of time. So I took that formula and I just kept documenting it and teaching it. And, and I worked with startups. You can start up a business this way. You can you can get funded this way. You can get promoted this way. And, and so I just kept building off of that to what it is today, like 30 years later. Oh, shit, I gave my age away. Let me say shit. <laughs> so what is a micro-influencer then in, in, today's, in today's standards? Yeah, today's definition, typically it's somebody with, with under – 10,000 followers combined. So you look at your LinkedIn folks, your Twitter, Instagram, but but usually it's within a single practice. So a lot of us have Facebook for personal or you might have Snapchat for personal. You, you really don't mix the streams on that. It's like, okay, I'm an engineer. I'm an attorney. I'm a, I'm a software consultant. I'm a CRM specialist. Who is tuned into you and connected to you and listens to you and who do you engage with on a regular basis, right, for that field of play of who you want to be as a thought leader? And so we focus just on that. Now, now usually when we get people, it's all over the place. 
Most people have it all over the place, and, and it's it's not clear what that looks like. So we have a very unique scoring system when people come on board with us that we either teach or, you know, do it for them. And we're like, okay, we want to get a current state. Let's get real. Where is it at? And I've had people come to us with eight followers on LinkedIn. George, did you hear me? Eight, eight, eight. followers on LinkedIn. Ballers. And uh, I got to tell you this story real quick. Is this okay if I tell you this? Go. So Charlie, I won't mention his last name, 82 years old, comes to us, attends one of my classes or listens into a webinar. Like, Dean, you said you could take anybody from anywhere to where they want to go. And I'm like, yeah, Charlie, what do you got? How many how many people you have? He goes, I've got, I've got eight people on LinkedIn. I go, great. That's a good start. So I said, that's awesome. He goes, oh, I got another problem because I was teaching my 20-minute-a-day program to get four referrals every 20 minutes. He goes, I have an eye condition, and I can only be on the computer for less than 10 minutes a day. I said, all right, so so let's do this. I am telling you, within the shortest period of time I've ever done this, I was, like, dedicated to this guy. He was in government procurement, which I knew nothing about. So here I got a field I know nothing about, a gentleman with eight, you know, people. And, and you know, so that, but the solid thing was he had over 80 years in this world that he had connections. Wisdom. So all we did, simple formula, I got the current state to connect to the ideal state. And after about 30, 40, 50 days, he had more appointments than he knew what to do with. And he's still rocking and rolling today. I follow him online and he's like, he's like a rock star. And like, and he doesn't have like a, you know, like a lot of us, thousands of connections, but he's, but he's engaged. He's an influencer. He's a thought leader. People come to him. He doesn't have to go chase that business. So hopefully that makes sense. What I just said. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely made sense, Dean. So, um, and this is like, this is the first time on the show. I think I'm sort of weirded out. On asking this question because because I know who I think I am and I think I know the answer to this, but I'm really, really intrigued to hear how you answer this question. And that is like, why, why, why do these micro influencers even matter? Well, they, they, so why do they even matter? Like the, the people that we're serving, you mean? So, so, so. I'll just put it this way. Let's just say we'll pretend for a second that I'm a micro influencer. Like you are a micro well, influencer. Well, we'll pretend. We'll pretend. Thanks, Dean. Thanks. So, <laughs> so here's the thing. Why is it important for me to be a micro influencer? Why, like, why is it important for somebody to want to become a micro influencer? And why am I important to the company that wants to leverage the micro influencer? You see, there's like there's a there's like a trifecta there's a trifecta happening here of the importance to become it, the importance of being it, and the need of it being there. So talk us through that a little bit. Yeah. And I'm going to do this without getting into the space time continuum time travel. Cause I know you want to do a different program on that. So, so you're, you're absolutely correct. So, and you've gone through a metamorphosis. I have had such a delight following you and you did some, you did some short, what I consider short, quick career turns, right? I mean, everybody knows. And, and so what you did, you're pivoting and you're switching and your network, altering and 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 taking that current network and building a new network and new followers and expanding that it's it's it, you did that why did, why did you do that 
why did you why did you do that? Give me the root reason why you did that. Oh my gosh, it's gonna get like super deep in here because I wasn't expecting to get interviewed. But Dean, to be honest with you, the reason that I made the pivots uh, as quick as I did was because one, some of it was out of my control. Two, I didn't like being out of control, and three, I felt like I needed to write the world to where I would be happy in the brand that I was presenting to people who were paying attention. And so I had to make some decisions, and that's why I went yeah. down that journey. And, and and part of that equation, I guarantee you, because I know you're an amazing family man, is it had to do with making sure you were in a good space for your family so that you could be a good dad and a good husband, a good person in the world. Absolutely. And you, and you felt the freedom to now serve that community authentically. Without, yes. Again, like I was, you know, I was in that corporate place. Well, that's that's what we look at. We look at the purpose and the story and and the why and and really what the driving core factor is. Because people are afraid a lot of times to to really to really go there. But the minute they go there and they get real and and honest with themselves, is when it uncovers who they are meant to be. And now we can transmit that authenticity. We call it the power of authenticity to the world to attract the people that really can play together with them and engage with them to help everyone get there together. And that's what we're all about. And that's the part. That's when, that's when the magic happens. And that's when we get excited. We just came out of our marketing uh, meeting uh, on the other side of the building and we celebrate every week the people where the magic happens when they go to us and they go, do you know who just responded to me? It's amazing when people are on social media and you, you know, who, who showed up in my newsfeed and actually talked to me, you know? And when a person discovers that they didn't think that they were of that level, you know, how you were denying your micro influencerness. Um, and so uh, as, as people do this to themselves, we're there to break that, break that part and say, no, you're, you're already an influencer. We're just helping you be a better influencer. That's all we're doing. We're just we're just helping you tap into that power that you have within yourself. How can a micro influencer help companies grow? Good. Well, you guys have heard. You know, let's see, George. Well, in Remington, I reference George only because I've known him longer, but I really like you. I'm not saying I like you more. I'm just saying I like you. So. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the idea here is that. Companies, you remember, like it was probably what four years ago, five years ago, when uh, you know employee advocacy was taken off, and it was about getting people to on board to share content. <clears throat> and then the humanizing the brand thing, you know, was super popular, and everybody's talking about that. But there was never, it was never about the power of authenticity, and and really, you know, these companies and these brands letting people get all out there. In fact, they would they would let a few people go out and then reel them back, and then they'd get scared, and then they let a few people go out. So they never developed a system for the people to feel comfortable in their own skin on behalf of the brand, and that that's that we saw that as a huge epidemic. So. We had some Fortune 500 companies, and they would come to us, and they'd go, Dean, this is great. We have 132 people on the advocacy team. And then I'd look at him, and I'd go, great. How many A players do you have? And he goes, what do you mean? I said, well, uh, they're all in you know, because they, they love the company. I said, they look good. They represent you well. And, uh, and, and, you know, they're, they're really, they're really brand advocates. They're not doing it for anything other than they care about the brand and they care about the customer. 
They go, whoa, 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 okay, that's a tough question. They go, so, um, yeah, about eight. <laughs> eight out of 100 on average were real, truly. Because what we saw is we're seeing all this content get shared, and then we'd go to the LinkedIn profile, and the people don't even show they work at the company. So there was no initiative to have the, you know, let alone all the employees look good, but just what about the advocates that are sharing content? They didn't look like they even worked there, some of them. They didn't have photos. They didn't have, you know, like you just pick, you know, LinkedIn or they'd have a Twitter account or they'd be tied to other accounts from competitive companies from before. It was just, it's just, and it's still a big mess out there. So the, the, the way to do it on behalf of the brand is to make sure that you coach and train or provide training for your advocates and your employees to really truly be advocates. So, for instance, we have a small community bank, not a Fortune 500 small community bank. The, the president from the top down said, Dean, I want you to let the world know who our people are. Help us do that. We're all about the people in the bank and we take care of our clients and we want people to know about that. So we, we, we've done some extensive training. We've done we've helped them build up and, and really make their profiles look good. We've done some new professional pictures and we show some natural pictures. And we help them develop their story of who they are. And now they just dwarfed social media with a fortune with, with one of the top banks in the country who is known for their social media. They've just all of a sudden exceeded past them in terms of engagement. And they have like... One location. This, this other bank's in all Great. the states. <laughs> but it was because of the people, not because of a bunch of content, not because of, of email marketing, not because of all that stuff or a cool logo or whatever or tens of thousands of dollars. It was because of the people. Yeah, the power of the people, which is absolutely Ooh. amazing. And it, it really is where we are at socially and just as – uh, humans, it's crazy. Dean, here's what's interesting is usually we have to like extract that out of folks with people like where are companies now, where do companies need to go? You, you just explained that entire story, but I'm, there's one piece of it that I'm still super curious about. And that is, and I'm, we're talking to the companies right now more than the actual influencers that are being used. Like who needs to be the captain of the ship when it comes to finding these micro influencers, understanding how to insert them. And I don't mean insert them in the way that you talked about where like eight out of a hundred, like, no, how do you find the true advocates, the true micro influencers that use the product, that do the thing, that love the thing? Uh, like who needs to be in charge of that? Yeah, we have, we have two areas of play here. So, um, and uh, for those listening, you know, we have something called social teaming, you know, like uh, the Cubs were a good team and then they weren't a good team this year. Teaming, right? So social teaming. So as you look at your team, we have the inside team, which are those influencers to, you know, or those influencers to be on the inside. And then we have outside influencers. So it sounded like your question was crossing the wall and going to the outside. Is that accurate? Okay. So first of all, the, the funny thing about this is everyone looks outside first. We're the easiest thing. You know how they always say the, the, uh, you know, you can generate more money if you just focus on your current customers <laughs> and then everybody runs and wants about 300 leads that they're not going to follow up on. So, so first and foremost, please hear me when I'm like, please focus on the inside first. Because once you get that game and you know the questions to ask and you know what the behavior looks like of somebody being a brand advocate, the picture on the outside becomes much clearer. 
So now you can pay attention and listen to your social media. <clears throat> and a lot of times people um, are, are just, you know, at that point where they're automatically fans of your brand or fans of your industry and what you do. So, for instance, like, you know, let's say you wanted to get a brand advocate for Impulse and HubSpot. And you might pick people that are advocates about just relationship management in general. They're just big fans of it. You know, they're, they're, they're advocates for relationship marketing and they're not married to any particular CRM. They could be an excellent influencer for you guys to have on and play with them on social media and have them maybe become a partner of some sort. And those are the ones that really explode fast and, and go well. Now you can go to the next level which is paid influence where you're hiring somebody that has has an audience for you that you want to pay that that is a little um less authentic and not as is genuine in doing that and i and i think you're seeing a shift here we're seeing a shift where it's becoming less popular to to pay someone to endorse something and they're not really an authentic influencer because the minute you stop paying them, they stop drinking your products on camera. <laughs> so how authentic is that, right? So the idea here is 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 to find people that are going to have longer term partnerships. And isn't it funny that we've been sort of playing this way with the partnership model for decades before social media came out, and all we're doing is applying that collaborative partnership model now to the outside. Those are going to be your very best influencers, and they don't need a million followers. They just need people that engage with them and listen to them. So this is the area where we, you know, we kind of jump in. We talk a little bit about about tools. So just like Wayfinders have charts and compasses and chronometers, we want our audience to be able to get access to the right tools or to navigate, you know, to success. So what physical or digital tools do you think they need to pull off leveraging these micro-influencers? Yeah, good question. Um, don't buy, you know, so I'll get some people angry here, but don't buy any of the influencer tools are too expensive. So uh, especially if you're playing in the micro-influencer space, most of your um, uh, platforms that, that you use for social media distribution, Hootsuite, Sprout Social, uh, Social Report, a lot of those are platforms that are now incorporating listening tools in there. And so what you want to be able to do is, is listen to the influencers that you're, that you're pitching or you're thinking about or you're working with to make sure it's a, it's a good relationship. So that's the easy button right there. So if you already have something, ask those people what their listening tools are. And even if that's not your accounts that you're on, you can still listen to those accounts and sure. see how it matches up with your voice and your brand. That's like the easiest thing in the world. The next thing we had this, uh, we, well, we, we've had this product that we use, but I heard that, that they may be having issues with funding as whatever happens with great platforms. But, um, uh, there's a, there's a platform called ePictions that we hope sticks around for a while. They are a, uh, a platform by which they not only help you, track and look at thought leaders, but they help you see the content that's getting created, that's getting the most views by a targeted audience. Now, BuzzSumo can do this too. You guys have heard of BuzzSumo. That's been around for a while. Yep. <clears throat> the only thing that's tough with BuzzSumo, and I wish, uh, hopefully they hear this, 
uh, is we want them to put a LinkedIn button in there, not just focus on what's odd is they have, you know, Facebook, uh, Twitter and Pinterest, but they don't have Instagram and LinkedIn. So it's just, you know, if they do that, we'll just be all in on BuzzSumo. So there's there's tools like that where maybe you can't just have one tool because you still need to validate the engagement of the proper audience with those folks. And then we even actually still use um, Google Alerts. Does anybody remember that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it works with hashtags, too. So a lot of people don't know that. So that's like the oh. easy free thing. You can set Google Alerts on hashtags. So and, and I'm gonna put. Oh, hold on! I'm gonna date myself again here. I also still still use TweetDeck. Oh dang! Snap! All right. <laughs> so, so here's what I'll say. First of all, number one, we're gonna tag. Uh, we're going to tag uh, BuzzSumo in the uh, presentation oh, on social, the promotion of social. Uh, so you they should watch this. And if you're watching this, hi BuzzSumo. Just saying hi. Okay, so but we love here, you. Just we, create two more little yeah. round things on your platform. Listen, two buttons. We're only asking for two buttons. You know, you don't got to change the much. world. Just two buttons. But hey, this week's episode is brought to you by Impulse Creative and our marketing, our video, our content audits. You need to make sure you're getting the most ROI out of your marketing, your sales, and your service team. So head over to Impulse Creative, check out our audits, see which one is right for you. And Remington, it's time for you to head into the Bermuda triangle back to home oh yeah so so bermuda triangle you know as far as companies go this is where they start to get lost so when we're talking about these micro influencers where do people get lost when they start trying to like jump all in and yeah i think they they uh a lot of times they start to get lost when they get um hung up on what everyone is saying you know so a lot of times you know, there's reactivity that'll happen or knee jerk reactions. And so, um, you know, this will happen from time to time when they start down a path and then somebody who's not involved with the initiative or the program wants to pull the plug because they just didn't like one thing. So rather than make adjustments, they're throwing the baby out with the bathwater and they're really not giving it a chance. And I think I see more of that, especially with social and, and all the other things that it's like, really, you guys got to this level of influence and, and followers, and now you're just going to go dark on everybody. I, you know, I just, to my, that just blows me away. It's yeah. like, it's like, having, yeah, it, you know, and you guys see it all the time too. And I just think that's, that's, that's an easy crime to name because you need the buy-in at the top. You need to make sure they understand the stats. There's plenty of stats out there. Make sure that everybody is tuned in, the other thing is don't take your eye off what we talked about earlier, which it's really all about the people. So if you take the easy button and you have a big checkbook and you go buy some micro-influencers, please pay attention to the people on the inside. There's going to be way more brand advocacy on the outside for you if you have brand advocacy on the inside. And people take their eye off that ball all the time. And you're going to have more loyalty and dedication. Your recruiting will be easier. I don't, I don't know if you guys know, but there's a whole industry called social recruiting. Social recruiting, the core basis of social recruiting, there's even national conferences that GSMI actually runs that, that is a social recruiting conference where all the Fortune 500 social recruiting departments come together. And, and what was interesting about that is in our early days of this inside influencer marketing and social teaming, we actually applied it first 
in recruiting because we're like, you guys are going way outside of the company to bring people, recruit people in. You've got a whole network of millions of people right before your eyes. I don't care if you only have eight people in the company. You've got millions of people you're connected to. So I think making sure that you keep your eye on the prize on the inside of what you have and make sure you don't lose sight of that. That's that's where people get lost. Yeah, Dean, so, I'm, <clears throat> Dean, I'm super interested, and this might go uh, still with the company, or this might actually go to the micro-influencers that you've worked with. Uh, but we love to ask the question, like, in this process, who's the pirate to watch out for? Um, well, you have, you have people that are uh, always going to be anti-social for one reason or another. And uh, we, we always start in our training of the fears of social media, and we find that it's very fear-driven, right? So there's been something that's happened with that person, maybe within the organization that people just don't like to talk about, uh, or within somebody in their lives. It's, it's, it's funny how many personal things come into play here. But if there's, if there's somebody that's negative, they're going to find a reason why it's not good or why it doesn't work. You need to bring that to the front of the room. You need to call the elephant in the room and you need to bring that to the front and you need to work on that first. And, and once you do that, that's, that's going to help you at least, at least know what to watch out for or how to help. We actually just had one uh, client where we had like, oh my gosh, it was like amazing. You know, they're, they're, I, I don't want to say too much because I don't want to give it away, but, but the one person that I finally won over, there was some little blip in their LinkedIn account, one little tiny thing, and they shut it down. They just said, they changed the password, I'm not in, we're over, it's done, I'm not doing this. And so then, of course, I get a call from the top, and they're like, you know, what are you going to do? How are we going to do this? And, and they were making this whole political thing, and, and I was like, no, 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 let's just re-engage it and, and let them know that this stuff can happen, but this is the greatness that, that can also come from this. And so we worked through it. You know, it's like, you know, anything else. And it's amazing. One of the most amazing clients that we have. And, and so when you have that, it's always going to be something, but it's fear-driven. I don't want to look bad. Um, I don't want people to think I'm an idiot. You know, I don't want to, I'm afraid to connect to, to competitors or, oh my gosh, I can't be connected to this person. Well, I'm sorry. Listen to me, people. You are connected to your competitors, whether you like it or not right now. So just because you don't have a direct oh, connection, yeah. you're still connected. Just be the best at what you do and don't focus on them. Focus on your customers and you being the very best and you'll blow those competitors out of the water. Yeah, that was good. Amen, brother. <laughs> Cool. So, so this is when we get to talk about our weekly show notes and monthly deep dive newsletter. Every week, we're going to send you all the links to the tools that we talked about, the free downloads and the resources that we discuss here and on our other episodes. And then once a month, we're going to send you special deep dive content from the desks, like we have the same desks, of Remington and George. <laughs> but head on over to the Wayfinding Growth page, any one of the episode pages, and sign up today. And you know what time it is. That's right. It's time for Captain Killing It, where we talk about somebody who's either killing it in a good way on the internet or doing a hashtag fail. And Dean, I'm super curious around this conversation of either being a micro-influencer or leveraging micro-influencers. Is there somebody who stands out at the top of your mind that you would say, man, you got to see how they're doing X, Y, Z? 
Uh, and I've got, um, well, George, I'm going to name you first oh, because I've been you for a while <laughs> and I love watching because you're a transition specialist. That's what I call you in our meetings. So, so you know, because you're able to pivot and change and adjust and, and, and you faced all the fears and came out clean. So I'm going to name that first and foremost. Um, I love, here, uh, here. yeah, from Microsoft, I love Mary Rodriguez. She's been a friend of ours for a long time. I've seen her go from different, it's just amazing. She's gone from from just, you know, being part of social media to being a bunch of social media. Now she's like the head storyteller at Microsoft. Imagine that, like the person that's in, it's like the, the, the authority on storytelling. So Mary Rodriguez, we love her. I love Ellie Deutsch at McDonald's. I think she's she's just climbed that ladder gone from, you know, the pot, the Garrett's popcorn store and all of a sudden, boom, McDonald's. And like, and then I, you know, I asked these ladies, I'm like, how many, t- how many people are like part of your team? They're like four. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God, you're McDonald's. How do you do that? <laughs> so, uh, you know, there's people like that. And there, there's people um, that I think really do a good job. Ryan Pena, I love that guy. You know, he's, he's a good buddy of mine and, and he's done that pivot and shift. So it's good to, to watch people go through that and how do they do it? Cause everyone's going to hit that point of their life. So rather than going too big and, and too wild on this, I think it's important to know that each and every one of you can be, you know, Ryan can be Mary. It's not just, you know, I'm here and you're up here. We're all here together at the same space. So, so just the one thing I want to encourage people is don't be afraid to approach people, to connect to people. Cause at the end of the day, we're all people. And so, um, we want to make sure we we work together in this, you know, and that's the big message there. So sounds pretty authentic. Yeah, I think there's a theme here. There's a theme there. buddy. Awesome. Well, Dean, this has been absolutely fantastic. I'm so glad that we were able to get you on the show. So why don't you take a second to tell people where they can connect with you as they navigate the stormy seas of influencer marketing? Yeah, it's super simple. If you go to socialjack.com and you go under programs, if you want some things done for you, you can see all of our programs there. Um, and if you go to uh, membership, you can uh, go on there. And I've got a, I've got a, a sort of an easy cue here. If you go down to the bottom of the homepage, there's an ebook on the nine things you should do before you log in. So, so these are things for you to prep yourself remove some of those fears and, and see sort of nine easy steps of, of how to get yourself prepped. And then uh, we also just recently, I'm not sure how long, you know, what, when you're listening to this, what month is it? If you're listening to this in the future or in the past, because, you know, we're in time travel, uh, you know, so when you're listening to this right now at this point for a, an undetermined amount of time, if you go to uh, Social Jack and you want to just click on login, you don't have to log in. We just opened up a whole bunch of stuff for have at it. Awesome. Love it. So some things we've learned on this episode, we all put our pants on one leg at a time. We all need to be authentic and we all can be influencers, even though we don't think we can be. Hey, I love you, you, the community. Thank you for your engagement. Thank you for your listenership. And uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you hit the bells, the subscribes, the likes, all those good things. So we know that you're part of the community. If you're listening on iTunes and make sure you leave a raving review, five stars and some nice words is always good. And until next time, make sure you connect with us so we know what you want to learn about. But until next time, make sure you're leaving the dock of mediocrity and setting sail to the sunset of your success. 